Well, hey, friends, and happy Thursday to you. It's April the 1st, 2021. Today is Thursday of Holy Week, and so we are four days in to kind of the last week of Jesus' life. And today we're going to focus in on the Last Supper of Jesus with his disciples. And so I want to give you just a moment here, a few minutes, to uh, pause the podcast and go read Matthew 26, starting kind of in verse 17, and then read through the end of the chapter of Matthew 26. I'll give you just a moment to pause and come back, and then we'll just have a few thoughts. So now that you've read that chapter, or that section of Matthew 26, before we actually get into the thoughts on Matthew 26, I thought I'd give you just a little bit of uh, what I find to be interesting kind of church history facts. Many of you know that today is called Maundy Thursday, and kind of Holy Week Thursday is Maundy Thursday. And the reason for that, it comes from the Latin translation of Jesus' words, really in John chapter 13, where Jesus has the Last Supper, and he tells his disciples in verse 34, sort of the famous line that many of us know, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Now, in the Latin, the word commandment is the word mandatum, where we might get the word mandate. And so this is where the language for Maundy Thursday, or basically New Commandment Thursday, uh, comes into being. And so that becomes a tradition. And if you go to a church that celebrates Maundy Thursday, uh, you might have a communion service. And then if you come back for a Good Friday service, you'll notice that the cups and the plates that were used for Good for, or for Maundy Thursday are still... Uh, left there kind of in a scatter, uh, symbolizing the disciples' um, last kind of couple days with Jesus before his death as they scatter themselves and Jesus is crucified and all that. So that's kind of the history and the background of Maundy Thursday in a very short short explanation. But back to Matthew 26, uh, Jesus there is celebrating Passover meal with his disciples, which is a meal they ate every year to remember what God had done for them and he delivered them from Egypt. So if you want to read about that, Exodus 12. And so for the Passover, um, the Jewish homes are instructed to slaughter a spotless lamb and then put its blood above the doorway, above the doorposts. And then God comes in judgment on the homes of the Israelites and the Egyptians back in Exodus. He would put to death the firstborn son in any home that did not have blood over the doorpost. And so God provides the blood of a perfect substitute sacrificial lamb to save his people from the payment of death, the payment for sin. And so God's people celebrate this meal every year, taking these lambs, slaughtering them, putting the blood, and remembering what God has done. And so the Israelites gather together in their homes, and they remember the original Passover night that happened in Egypt hundreds of years previous to Matthew 26. And so with that backdrop, Jesus takes this pre-existing sort of ceremonial meal and he infuses it with new meaning when he refers to the cup in the Last Supper as his own blood, which is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. That's Matthew 26, 28. And so here Jesus is saying that he is the ultimate Passover lamb who saves us, his people, with his blood. When God's wrath and when God's judgment rightly come, we hide under the blood of a substitute sacrifice Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, and we're saved. And so the account of the Last Supper not only connects to that uh, part of the Exodus story, but it also connects Jesus' death with the law that God gave to his people. Jesus is the perfect covenant keeper who seals us with his blood. This, this points us back to Exodus 24. 
And so Jesus actually says that his blood establishes the covenant in Matthew 26, 28. And this is the only time the word covenant is actually used in Matthew's gospel. And so Jesus is alluding back to Exodus 24 when the law covenant that God had given his people at Mount Sinai is ratified and confirmed. And so in Exodus 24, verse 8, Moses sprinkles the blood of the sacrifice on the people saying, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord God has made with you all concerning these words. And so this is a picture not only of God's forgiveness, but also of God binding his people to himself in a covenant everlasting relationship. And so now with Jesus' death, we have a new covenant, actually a better covenant, sealed not with the blood of an animal sacrifice, but with the blood of the Son of God, God himself. And so Jesus becomes our substitute sacrifice. He's died the death we deserved to die. And that's the moment that Jesus is preparing his disciples for in this Last Supper meal. And so if you've ever been part of a church family that celebrates communion, uh, as our church does every week, then you'll know it's a significant moment for us to remember what Christ has done. And even in the instructions we have uh, when we take communion, we remember that what we're doing is not only looking at the past of what Christ has done and how he saved us by his blood, but we're also looking to the future that's coming with him because what Jesus institutes by his own blood is a new covenant binding his people to himself. And so in the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, he says that we every time we take this meal, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So there's this future hope element in that. And as we head into Good Friday tomorrow... Although we want to focus on Friday and what the death of Jesus really means and feel the weight of that, we also know that there is a hope because we live in the already not yet. We already know that the resurrection is coming on Sunday, and we know that the full uh, restoration and, and um, culmination of God's kingdom is still coming as well. And so we live in this already not yet. And so we don't want to uh, just skip over Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, but at the same time, uh, we have a perspective as those who live after the resurrection of Jesus from the dead that gives us the ability to, to also have hope in the future. And so I hope you'll join me again tomorrow here on The Daily. But if you're looking for a good Friday night kind of prayer experience uh, on our church's Facebook and on our church's online platform, we're going to be streaming uh, the event we held last year, which is kind of a self-guided Good Friday night prayer experience where we focus on the seven last sayings of Jesus on the cross. So I want to invite you to, to uh, join in for that if you'd like at 7 o'clock, either on Facebook or our church online platform, either one. It'll be streaming live there and uh, hope to see you in the comments there. If you have a prayer need, would love for you to share that and someone will be praying for you. And then of course, would love to invite you to join us on Sunday morning, either online or in person as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. But again, I hope you'll join me again tomorrow as we look at Good Friday and the implications of the death and the resurrection of Jesus here on The Daily.